0: Well, hey friends, Pastor Josh Blevins here. I wanna thank you for joining me for another episode of The Shepherd's Voice where we seek to point people to the authentic voice of Jesus amid the chaotic noise of a godless culture. And today I wanna to talk to you about an issue that came up uh, in a conversation with a friend who is also a pastor this last week that I thought, um, I know that the conversation is helpful for me. I think it could be helpful for those of you who out there, out there who are doing ministry, pastoral ministry. Uh, I know that every single year, I've been in in ministry now uh, 20 years and pastoring a lot of those years, and every single year where we hit election cycles, where we hit local political um, uh, offices that are up for election, and all of these issues start coming up, man, I used to kind of sweat bullets on trying to figure out how to deal with these issues in a biblical and pastoral way. Uh, And so today, I'm going to talk to you about the pastor's guide to pulpit politics. How do we, as shepherds, uh, really approach political issues in this polarized day and age? Um, Do we have a responsibility to even do so? Right? If if you're like me and you're doing ministry, uh, you have probably seen every end of the spectrum on this. You'll go online and you will hear voices telling you, that you cannot touch politics with a 10 foot pole. It's the worst thing you could possibly do as a pastor. You'll hear things like, you know, you just need to stick to the gospel, which I do agree with that statement by the way, but maybe not in the way that it's meant by many people. Or you see the other side, right? Where there are, uh, it's almost like pastors who are more concerned with having um, a, a political rally than they are bringing in biblical truth. And I like to call this, uh, this problem the, the either or political fallacy, the either or syndrome for pastors. And that is getting edged into, or, or um, hedged into, should I say, this idea that either I have to avoid politics 100% and stay faithful to the gospel, or I have to be this, this kind of over the top, crazy political maniac that calls himself a pastor. And I hope today to dispel that it doesn't have to be uh, either or, but it could be simply that we approach political issues from a biblical worldview and do our jobs to faithfully steward and shepherd our flocks through issues that the Bible speaks about and issues that they are all also wondering, how do we engage ourselves in a gospel-centered way? You know, the gospel uh, is not just the call to preach a message. We know that the, the core of the gospel is Jesus Christ crucified for our sins, risen again from the dead, and that by faith in him, one can have eternal life. That is the core message of the gospel. But we know that Paul's letters, the whole New Testament, is about how the gospel is lived out. About how the gospel impacts change, about how the gospel transforms a heart, about how the gospel transforms a person's life or even their marriage or their relationships with others. And certainly the gospel enters into the realm of political engagement and involvement. It has to. There is no realm in which Jesus uh, is is or should not be welcomed, where his truth is not relevant. It's all there. What we have today is we have an attempt to separate the Christian voice and a biblical worldview from political issues because, well, let's be honest, uh, it creates a stumbling block for godless people who want to push an agenda through politics when there are those you know, pesky Christians who are uh, talking about issues of righteousness and, and morality and goodness. And so I I want to ask a few questions. I was... Uh, actually headed back from a trip visiting my mom and my dad in California, and a pastor, a friend of mine for many years, a man I really respect, he sent me a text message, and he said, I've, uh, I've, always, I've always respected and watched how you've dealt with political issues through your years, and I was wondering if you could help me just answer a few questions that a few of our pastors are talking through regarding how our church is going to handle the upcoming political year We're talking about 2024 of course and well, boy what a roller coaster year it's going to be folks if you haven't been paying attention um, things are things are crazy out there and so i thought as i read through his questions i thought you know these are probably questions every pastor is asking themselves and whether you're uh, tuning in to me Uh, with a dissenting view and you're just trying to hear the other side or you're in agreement with me or you're somewhere in the middle caught up in the confusion, I hope that maybe I can provide some encouragement to give you some clarity, um, some biblical support, and how to use your voice as a shepherd, a God-ordained shepherd of God's people, uh, to speak into these issues in a way that honors Christ. And of course, if you're not in ministry, this would still probably be helpful for you as you um are listening to what your pastor has to say as you're seeking your own uh responsibility should I say or stewardship of of being involved and in at what level in the political realm um and so there's a lot I could talk about, but let's I'm just gonna jump right into some of these questions because I thought they were great questions, and uh just give you my take on these on these questions so the first question was. A bit broad, but good nonetheless. How will you be handling political issues from the pulpit? And that's a very specific place, right? It's targeted in from the pulpit, which implies uh, speaking to political issues in a place of authority, in a place of influence over the flock of God uh, at the local church level, maybe even beyond that. And as I was thinking about this, um, a number of things came to my mind because. When we talk about how will you be handling political issues from the pulpit, again, we our minds go to the extremes. Well, either we're not going to talk about it and just shut our mouths, uh, or we're going to say minimal things about it in a way that doesn't offend anyone uh, or caters to certain groups, or we're going to just kind of blast our own perspective and opinion uh, and kind of ram it down people's throats. And I don't think any of those are the appropriate uh, perspective of someone who's been entrusted You know, Paul told Timothy, uh, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, you know, rebuke, exhort, uh, uh, teach with all patience and long suffering. And so these are issues that we have to be looking at and say, if there are issues that are happening in our society, in our culture, which, by the way, God has placed us in. The Bible is very clear in the book of Acts. Paul says to the Athenians, "He's you know, that God has placed each person in their borders for their certain times and their seasons that they might seek him and know him. So we are here for a reason. We're, we're many of us watching are probably in America. You might not be in America. Uh, in, in your context, you might have a different context. But as a pastor in, in America, as a Christian in America, I understand that I am part of a unique uh, governmental Political process that is pretty unique, not only throughout history but even in the world, where as a Christian, um, I I don't have to look at political engagement simply as uh, well. I I I need to fully get on board with everything that one party stands for and be a, a you know kind of a party pusher, a party affiliate. Um, but but at the same time, I have to wonder. Is there not a stewardship, right? Remember what Paul said? He said, it is required of a steward that one be found faithful. What is a stewardship? Well, it's it's when you're entrusted with something. It's when you're entrusted with the care of something and you're responsible for how you care for that thing, whether you're caring for a family or a home or a church uh, uh, or whatever it might be, even the physical resources that God has given you, you're entrusted those things to care for them and to use them for the glory of God. And so when I view the political engagement of a Christian or a pastor, I see it as an issue first of stewardship. I have a voice in my country to use a freedom unprecedented, again, in the history of the world, to have a part to play in who makes the laws that govern my neighbor, who I'm called to love as myself, uh, uh, of who creates policies, that affects human life, of who gets to even define in our society how we're going to judge between what is righteous and unrighteous and good and evil. Now, ultimately, we know that God defines righteousness and unrighteousness, good and evil. But what does the scripture tell us? Uh, sin is a reproach to any people, right? So any nation, sin is a reproach to any nation, but righteousness, the Bible says, exalts a nation. That's That's a good statement right there. That's a true statement for every country, for every nation. It is good for the Christian to be salt and light in a way that engages the very issues that that affect our neighbor, that affect the unborn life, that affect what our kids are being taught in school. Yes, it's only a sliver of the pie. No, we should not replace politics for the necessity of going to our neighbors and preaching the gospel to every creature, hoping for that heart change, that transformation from the inside out. That is our, our goal. That is the kingdom that we're part of is heaven, right? Our salvation is not coming on Air Force One or in Congress. We understand that hierarchy. But I do find it interesting that pastors seem to understand Well, when it comes to social issues, when it comes to uh, issues of personal relationships or responsibility or marriage or finances, we'll be happy to talk about how the gospel should impact that. And we should, you know, we'll go to the scriptures and talk about how a Christian should steward certain things in their life. But then, because of the polarizing effect of politics, we all of a sudden have this temptation to take our hands off of it or to talk about it in such a way that skirts the boldness and the courageous voice that's needed of truth uh, today regarding things that are going on. And so I wrote these these several words down to this issue. How will you handle political issues from the pulpit? Uh, several contrasts. First, The first set I wrote is carefully and courageously. Carefully and courageously. What do I mean by that? Carefully means that we are using wisdom and thoughtfulness. It is some of the worst moments from the pulpit for me, not just on political issues, okay? I'm just opening up the book here. Have been when I just go off script and I just start spurting my own emotional opinions about things that I haven't prayed about, I haven't studied, I haven't thought through. And I say, I end up saying something stupid or something regrettable, right? When I say careful, When we're talking about political issues, when we're talking about, maybe should I say, biblical issues that pertain to politics, abortion, gay marriage, LGBTQ, woke agendas, uh, critical theory, all of these things that that all have gospel and biblical implications. When we talk about these things, we need to talk about them carefully. We need to think about the words we're using. We need to think about the audience we're talking to. Uh, and we need to prayerfully say, Lord, how do I dress this in a way that honors you? There's nothing wrong with being prepared. So we do it carefully. But notice I paired that with courageously. Why? Because sometimes people are, so, are trying to be so thoughtful that they forget they have a responsibility not to please man, not to say things in such a d- diplomatic way that they never actually say anything at all, not to use... Political speak to try to make sure that no one is offended and no one, you know, knows exactly what you're talking about. It's kind of this vagueness, right? We owe it to God to have the courage to call good, good, light, light, darkness, darkness, sin, sin. You hear what I'm saying? Uh, the scripture is very clear. Woe to him who calls uh, righteousness unrighteousness, and who calls light darkness, and who calls darkness light. Uh, it's very important that we, in our carefulness, don't um, don't skirt the issues, or don't avoid saying something that needs to be said because we are afraid or we're being too careful. So carefully and courageously, the second set of words is wisely and gently. Wisely and gently. I pull those two words, of course, from the command, the words of Jesus himself, to be as wise as a serpent and as gentle as a dove. You know, uh, political issues can be Very easily ignitable, should I say, that um, people's emotions, even identities, get flared up when it comes to certain issues in relationship to their political affiliations. And so we need to use a lot of wisdom. Uh, We need to, it kind of goes with that first idea of being careful. The wisdom of the serpent means that um, it's okay to say, I want to use the correct strategy to be effective but also gently. Why? Because we can get so fired up. (laughs) Um, We can get so uh, wrapped up even in our, even as a pastor, even in our own emotional responses to certain things that we can just start calling out people and, and, and hitting, you know, hitting our pulpits or whatever it might be. And some people are more more prone to this than others Um, to where we forget that one of the fruits of the spirit is gentleness, Jesus himself said, I am gentle and meek and lowly of heart. Now, don't get this wrong. Gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is not cowardice. Gentleness is how you approach the people you're talking to. It's how you approach uh, a, a subjects that might inflame. You know, We have to approach it in a way that we are courageous, we're bold, we're not apologizing for the truth. And we might even have, like Jesus had, righteous anger at something we see that's full of hypocrisy or that's dishonoring God. That's fine. Um, but what we what we need to attach to that is, Lord, help me to have the gentleness of Christ. Help me be able to approach something in a way uh, that people don't automatically tune me out simply because of my tone, but... If they tune me out, it's because of the truth that's being spoken, not because of the way I'm speaking it. Um, We are called to be bold, but we're not called to be jerks. And sometimes, let's be honest, that line can be easily blurred. So wisely and gently. The next set I put is not catering to any particular group and not people-pleasing. How do I hand political issues from the pulpit? Not catering to any particular group or people-pleasing. It is really easy um, for pastors to want to please people, to want um, you know we want we want the the more liberally minded people who who might identify as Democrats in our church to to make sure they know that we are compassionate and that we are kind and that we care about poor people um, now another for another day that within itself is a fallacy right because there's this false narrative that the Democratic Party cares more about poor people that is not actually proven at all by any practical land us uh, you know landmarks or or points but anyway back to my point is that we have to be those who say you know what the one that I am that I owe my accountability to and what I say is God first it's not people who are Democrats. It's not people who are Republicans. It's not people who are powerful, right? There's even a temptation in some circles to say, you know, I got to cater to the people who have the money, the people who have the influence, the people that can get my name or my message out. No, we cater only to God and his word and what he has to say about things. And so we have to get this idea, right? Paul told the Galatians, if I seek to please men, I no longer am a servant of Christ. And that always has to be first and foremost in our minds. So when I speak about a political issue or a political candidate or uh, someone running for office or a bill that's on the table or legislation that's coming through, my first and foremost goal is not, I want to make sure the Republicans like me. I want to make sure the liberals like me. I want to make sure the, you know, the people in the middle somewhere like me. No, it's, am I speaking the truth in love? That always has to be on our mind. This one is really important. The next set, not avoiding issues, but on the other side of that, not intentionally stirring the pot. I, I've seen this. I've been guilty of it, of both ends of this. Okay. I'm just being real with you. I have at some times avoided issues in order to not stir the pot. I've talked around issues because I know they're nuanced and people have a lot of emotions about them. And so I never really said anything about it. Uh, that's, you know, of of any substance. Um, and so we need to avoid that. But at the same time, I hate to admit it, but I've kind of intentionally stirred the pot. I know that, that I've repented. (laughs) I repent when that happens, trust me. But I I think this is easy, right? Um, especially when people like your message, If you're saying something that that people like, they might might applaud you. They might say, thanks for being courageous. Thanks for standing up for righteousness. And all of a sudden, there's a temptation like, I need to create an issue. I need to create another big issue so that people stay fired up and I can fire up the base. And I'm just going to stir the pot on these issues just for the sake of creating a stir, just for the sake of creating another issue that people will listen to me talk about, you know? And I think both of those are sin, and I think they're both in the flesh. And so we can't, have the, we can't operate in fear and avoid issues that need to be addressed, but we also can't operate in this pride of the flesh and say, you know, I'm just going to find some issue to talk about so that people get fired up. No, we speak the truth in love once again. And then again, finally, the last point here is uh, how do I address political issues from the pulpit is always pointing these issues back to scripture. I mean, ultimately that's, that's my hope. If I'm going to tackle an issue, I want to be able to open my Bible and show people, this is why we're talking about this. This is why we're talking about the precious life of the unborn. Flip to Psalm 139. This is why we're talking about issues of sexuality. Open them open to Romans chapter one. We are talking about these things because they matter to God and they impact the lives of people. And so, um, pastor or Christian, I want to I warn you about, um, do not idolize politics. Politics makes a poor God. There's only one God, only one king. His name is Jesus. But do not avoid the issues that are directly affecting the lives of the people that live in our neighborhoods, that go to our churches, that go to our schools. I think of Ezekiel right? Ezekiel twice, he was called by God to be a watchman on the walls. God said, see, I have set you as a watchman on the walls, which meant he was above. He saw the dangers that were approaching before the people. And God really laid it out clearly to him. If you see and you hear what's coming and you don't tell the people and they don't turn because you didn't tell them, that is on your head. But if you do hear and you do tell them and they don't turn, well, that's on their head. And I believe that every pastor, in a sense, is called to be a watchman on the wall. Of course, from an eternal sense, we are, right? We see and we know that the judgment of God is coming upon humanity. Every man will and every woman will once die and then appear before God in judgment. And so we have a responsibility to tell them and warn them about the judgment that's coming and the way of salvation through Christ. But again, our watchman responsibilities are not simply to that. Our watchman responsibilities are to the people of our flock, are to the communities that God's placed us in, is to our nation. We are to be prophetic voices of truth. And when I say prophetic, I don't necessarily mean, you know, foretelling the future. I mean, boldly proclaiming what God has revealed in his word. Boy, everything would change if our pastors gained the courage to speak into the culture and to speak into the powers that be with the truth of the gospel and with the righteous standards of God. We won't always win every battle. That's not the point. The point is, are we faithful? For God will require an account from us. So that's my answer there, a little bit long winded about how to handle political issues from the pulpit. Uh, And then the next question, what is your approach to candidates who are running for public office, who want to come in and speak to your congregation? I think everything I said before can be applied to this, but, um, but for me, I don't want to avoid allowing political candidates to speak to our congregation, but there are some standards, right? As a shepherd, I am responsible for what my people hear, who speaks into their life and what they're saying. Uh, I'm not just gonna let any candidate waltz right in and take the pulpit and say whatever they want. For me, it is about having vetted and proven candidates that speak for a certain observed amount of time. And when I say vetted, I mean that I know through personal interaction or through the consistency of their record that they are unquestionably pro-life, they are, uh, they are against the indoctrination of children with sexually, devi- with sexually deviant ideas. They are for protecting children in our public spaces. They stand against ideologies that directly oppose the gospel. If I know that, that, that their heart and their goal is, is good and righteous, then I want to give them the opportunity to share and speak about what they're doing because I want our people to be actively engaged in helping good people get into places of authority. I think that's a responsibility we have. And uh, that might scare some people, but um, I think that if you are wise and you vet, I mean, quite honestly, sadly, as I look around, I mean, pastors let a lot worse in their pulpits. Maybe they're not attached to anything politically, but boy, it's like a lot of voices that are allowed to speak from pulpits on a lot of things, that could potentially be dangerous. So I think we just need to to be careful, be cautious, be guarding and protective of our flock. But at the same time, recognize that, hey, if, if you're running for righteousness and you want to help bring good and godly things into our community that align with a biblical worldview, like we wanna we want to be someone who partners with you. We want to be we want you to have a voice. Um, that is heard. And so that's, that's my perspective on that. Uh, the next question was, will you be setting up voter registration at church? And my simple answer to that is yes. I don't see any reason why not to. If we're telling people it's part of your stewardship of the freedom that God's granted you in America, it's part of a way that you can make your voice heard uh, for issues that affect people and lives and hearts, then um, yeah, let's encourage that. We can, we can do that. It's legal. It's not, uh, there's nothing questionable about it. And so I, I think that that is um, always something that is good, good to do. Uh, and then the next question, will you be providing impartial, nonpartisan voter guides at church? Now, this isn't a judgment on, on the person who asked me this question. I, this is my own personal kind of response when I see words like impartial or nonpartisan. And I realize that that language is centered around the whole idea of the Johnson Amendment and the 501, uh, 501c3 501 status, nonprofit status of the churches and how churches are debated. D- debated. It's debated, right? Whether or not churches are legally bound um, to make sure that they don't give any specific endorsements of any party or any candidate. Uh, I personally believe... And this is for another time. I don't want to get too far into it. In this episode, I personally believe that the Johnson Amendment is unconstitutional and it infringes upon the freedom of speech rights of the Church of Jesus Christ. And I believe the church has an obligation to give direction and guidance that is biblical, even if it means endorsing a good candidate or speaking uh, positively or negatively about a candidate or a party, and so I am not a huge fan of the idea of impartial or nonpartisan voter guides. and And let me maybe explain it like this. I know some of the kickback, right? Well, jo- well, Josh, you can't tell people how to vote. Well, technically, I can't. I can't tell people anything that I mean. They have a volition. They have a free will. So this is not about telling people how to vote for my sake. But think about this. Think about this. What if someone came? to you after church and said, um, I'm living with my, my boyfriend. We're just so in love. We're just living together. And you say, are are you going to get married? And they say, Oh, we don't know. Maybe, um, are you going to say, you know what? I think you should go home and just pray about what God would have you do. And just whatever God tells you to do, that's what you need to do. Now that's not bad advice as part of a larger picture. But honestly as a pastor what are you going to say? You're going to you're going to say, "Hey, you know, sexually sexual immorality is is should not be named, named among believers and the covenant of marriage is the one place God um ordains sexual intimacy and you know you sh- you really shouldn't live together and be sexually active until you get married and here's how you do it the right way." You're going to tell them what God has to say about it. But then all of a sudden when it's like Uh, talking about what political candidates stand for what, and should we vote Republican or Democrat? It's like, all of a sudden pastors get up there, you know, just whatever, you go home, and whatever God speaks to your heart, you know, that's how you should vote. Uh, No, I'm sorry, that's not the case. Uh, It might have been at one point. I I wasn't alive 50 years ago. Um, I don't know what what parties and politics and exactly how they've all changed over the years. But I do know this when the current Democrat party platform, the officially endorsed statement of faith, as it were for the Democrat party states that we will fight. That is the language they use. We will fight for reproductive rights, including access to safe and legal abortion. That, that ends it for the Christian There's no nuances about that. That language is incompatible with a biblical worldview and with the heart of God. Simple, plain fact. I know that's not nonpartisan. I know that that's not impartial. And at the same time, we can't, again, have the fear to call out Republicans, whether it be candidates specifically or the party, when they start to endorse or um, participate in things that are unbiblical or ungodly. We should speak out against those things. But it is obvious now that the Democrat Party in the United States um, has adopted a, a, such a godless agenda on important biblical issues that the Christian should not be able to have a clear conscience about voting for a candidate who would sign on To those kind of things. And so um, I know that's a a little bit uh, working around the question there, but uh, uh, yeah, voter guides, I think they're good, but I don't think they have to be necessarily nonpartisan or impartial. I think that they should be um, informative and honest about the issues, but I think a pastor needs to be able to say, here are the issues and here's why you shouldn't be voting for this and why you might consider voting for this. Uh, finally, last question, and I'm almost done here is, um, will you be uh, providing voter guides online or on your church website? And the reason I wanted to talk about this for a moment is because, uh, God, God gave us a little bit of a vision here at at grace, the church I pastor a little while back. And we kind of came up with something a little different, something new, and we built a website. Um we live in a town called St. Joseph, Missouri and and I, I looked up uh various domains and I found uh, a website domain votestjoe.com, votestjo.com uh that was available and so we set that up to be a faith-based um uh platform to give people information about local elections and local candidates that are running for our city and in our county and then pointing to a lot of good resources uh, for voter registration and to get information about national issues and elections. And why we did that is because I was looking, you know, I think we had a city council election here and I was looking for information on who are these people that are running and what do they stand for and how is it going to impact my city that God's placed me in? And I could not find any information. And so we built this website, Uh, in order to provide a platform where we could send candidates questions, we could put all their information, we could assess where they stand on certain political or social issues and make that information available to our people. And I realize that's not within the capability of every church or every pastor, but for us, it's been an awesome resource. And a lot of people outside the church have used it as a resource to um, get pertinent information about the people that are running and that I think it adds a little bit of accountability too it says it says that people of faith are not going to just sit by quietly and be unengaged or apathetic when things are at stake that are important and I think ultimately that's the the role we need to take and so pastor I want to encourage you you are who God made you. we all have different giftings we all have different voices. Um, I am not here to suggest that, You need to get on a political bandwagon. I'm not here to suggest that uh, that you need to be known as the pastor of politics. Okay, I mean you do need to be aware that once you start to speak, even if you do it occasionally on biblical issues that are political, uh, that are also hotspots within the political community, you're going to get labeled. You just need to expect it. They're going to they're going to label you with things that aren't true about you. They're going to overemphasize things you said or didn't say. uh, And that's just part of it. But here's what I'm asking. Use your voice, whatever voice God's given you, to boldly, courageously, gently, and lovingly tell the truth about what's going on in our society, about what's happening in our culture, turning people's eyes to Jesus and turning people's eyes to the truth of righteousness that's found in the word of God so that they might know how to live godly, and righteous lives in a way that impacts their communities, their neighbors, their families for good. And part of that I think is being able to speak into who runs our nation, who makes our laws and the responsibility that we as citizens of heaven and of America, the stewardship we have uh, to do those things to the glory of God. Whether you eat, whether you drink or whatever you do, do it all in the name of Jesus do it all for the glory of God. My friend, I hope that some of that makes you think. If nothing else, I hope that it's helpful for you. Thanks for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Shepherd's Voice. Until then, God bless you.